This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 842 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you, one day at a time. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on the Horses in the Morning show. The Hit'em crew is joined by the Horse.com digital editor, Michelle Anderson, and Sue McDonald to talk about the differences between displaying behavior and expressing pain in horses. And we'll get right to our tip after this important message from StatelineTac.com. Equestrians love summer. We relish the frenetic pace of horse show season, getting kids ready for pony camp, and even the mad dash to get into clinics with our favorite Olympians. The blood-sucking insects, however, not so much. That's where StatelineTac.com comes in. Stateline Tack knows how important summer is to all horse lovers, whether they chase foxes, blue ribbons, or gold medals. Stateline Tack is your one-stop website for all manner of summer survival products for you and your horse. Fly sheets and fly masks, fly sprays and spot-on treatments, even feed-through fly control and barn misting systems. You can find it all at competitive prices at StatelineTack.com. Um, Dr. Sue McDonald, who we talked to last week about her semi-feral pony herd at New Bolton at University of Pennsylvania. She's back this week to talk about pain versus behavior. How can we tell when our horses are hurting versus just being strange? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. McDonald, are are you with us? Good morning. How are you doing? I am good. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, So... Last week, we talked about your pony herd, which you've studied lots of behavior. But this week, I wanted to talk about um, what, how we can tell when our horses are in pain. Because this, this is kind of one of the very cool things I thought about visiting New Bolton was seeing um, some of your surgeons and your vets talk about integrating behavior and the work that you do into diagnosing and treating uh, horses in the clinic. Um, so let's uh, start out a little bit, and I want you to share with us, if you can, what the difference is between a pain behavior and just a horses being horses behavior. Well, sometimes they look very, very similar. So um, a good example would be pawing. So horses paw for many reasons, and it looks pretty similar on the surface, um, but they paw, for example, when they want to get to food or water and they're thwarted from that goal. And the basis of that behavior is, you know, in their natural behavior, if they couldn't get to the forage because of snow or the water because of ice, pawing would be adaptive. So it's sort of an adaptive behavior whenever they're in a thwarted goal situation or a frustration situation, you can get all your horses to do that if you stand outside their stall and with the feed bucket rattling and not delivering the feed and there's nothing they can do about it so they get frustrated and paw. They also, when they have unrelieved pain, will paw in a very similar fashion and the way we can tell the difference is to look very closely at the context of the behavior and... um, 
look at for other signs of pain, for example, ear positions and turning their head back towards the source of the pain or or whatever, or whether it looks like they're just uh, in in the appropriate context, uh, you're walking down the aisle with the feed cart, you take a cell phone call and they're standing there waiting. Um, so, and even even then, it can be a little bit tricky to sort it out because, for example, with gastric ulcers, uh, when they're it's when it's feeding time, and especially when they're anticipating that it's almost there, the gastric juices will flow and irritate the gastric ulcers that are there. So they may be pawing um, out of the frustration of the discomfort, um, either alone or together with the fact that you're still on the cell phone and they're waiting for their brain. <laughs> so I do not talk on my cell phone when I'm feeding my horses. I, oh, that's and, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think I'm very quick when I feed and they still pop. <laughs> so is there anything I can do to, to convince them that their meal is coming no matter what, or just let them paw. Yeah, what can we do? Because there's one horse in my barn that I had to get a rubber mat and put it underneath where his bucket is because he will dig a hole through the... We've redone the dirt in his stall so many times and he just keeps digging a hole. Is there anything you can do besides hobble him to get him to stop? Well, first of all, I would not hobble a horse for this reason. I think that's bordering on inhumane. Um, to do that um, because it's such a natural behavior and we're putting them in a very unnatural situation. But the solution to this problem is to give them low quality continuous forage like they would have under natural conditions. Now, I realize for many people that's not a practical possibility, but there are other ways that you can um, deliver food so that they're not getting just two or three intense meals um, that that brings on gastric ulcers, number one, but it also brings on this food urgency that comes with all these undesirable behaviors like pawing or banging on the door that we, we don't like. Yeah, and mine bangs against his gate and paws with the foot that he has um, swelling or inflammation of the navicular yeah. versus. So, uh, right. <laughs> the, the, the solution, if you can, is just to give them a you know a continuous access to hay and not you know get away from the the supplements altogether if you can. Um, there's also some automatic feeders available that deliver the feed um, independent of of people and at free you know fairly frequently so that they get frequent small meals the way they would if they were foraging naturally. So um, with the behavior work that you do at New Bolton, once, how do you observe the horses when they're at the facility? Yeah, the the um, magic bullet in, in this regard is a uh, video of the horse when it's um, just alone in the stall, undisturbed. Um, we can pick up things that you would never really see. if you, Even if you were standing there for 24 hours watching the horse, um, they don't, maybe some of the signs of pain don't occur uh, often enough that you you sort of put it together. But when it's, you're looking at it in fast forward, the rapid repetition of unusual movements will give you a clue as to where the pain is. The other really extraordinary thing about horses is that they're an, 
they, as an open plains grazing prey species, they have evolved to hide uh, all signs of pain, particularly when threatened. And we don't think of ourselves as a threat to our horses, but um, if you watch them on video, you will see them sort of, they'll be showing their signs of discomfort. And as soon as someone comes, it, it could be a positive distraction or a threat, but whatever it is, they stop doing it. And we see this over and over. It's very, it used to be very frustrating to to uh, clinicians because they would watch the horse, watch the horse, they would see nothing, and I would turn on the video, they would walk away, and within a few minutes, I would start to see it. I could make those video clips and show them so they could see what the horse was doing when they weren't there, and uh, now they don't get frustrated, they just call for a, a video, and it we, by default, do a 24-hour continuous video, and I view that. Um, but in reality, we usually have a pretty good clue of what's going on within the first hour of that. So it's not like you really have to go through through so much. But going through the rest of it kind of confirms for you and sometimes helps you um, fine-tune your di- diagnosis and, and uh, plan for, for assessing um, with further diagnostics. One of the examples that we saw when, when I was on the tour at New Bolton was of a horse that every time a person would walk up, it would stop doing the behavior. And then the instant the, horse, the person walked away, the horse was back at it. And it was really fascinating um, to see that in action and see the, see the horse was obviously uncomfortable, but then human and then very stoic. And then humans gone, very upset yeah. again. And that, that's um, very clearly a, a characteristic, a very adaptive characteristic for horses, not to show their signs of discomfort. That would let the predator know this one, this one, <laughs> <laughs> which makes it even harder for us to know what's going on with our horses if, exactly. if they're hiding it from us. So, how have you at New Bolton integrated what you know about behavior and your watching of the horses with? Uh, treatment plans? Well, the, the first big step is to answer the question whether we think it is uh, a physical underlying problem that can be addressed or um, a behavioral problem. The, the cool thing about when it's pain, when it can be identified and treated, which it often is here, you would expect that maybe some of the secondary behavioral changes the horse made um, to deal with that um, might continue on, but the beauty is that they usually give up those behaviors immediately once the pain is is relieved. Very occasionally, we'll have a horse that's still a little bit wary of certain situations, um, and you know, for example, girthing problems. When a horse has a sore back and it and it really starts to resent even going to the cross ties because it knows what's coming next. And those ones will sometimes, even after you've treated the back, will will hang on to those signs a little bit. So then we'll get involved again and and help um, uh, with a behavior modification plan to help the horse understand that it's not going to hurt so much anymore. Now, we as horse owners definitely want our horses to be comfortable and happy um, and sometimes I think we can well I don't think I know <laughs> I can go overboard with mine uh oh I think he hurts uh oh especially the more I learn the more I realize horses react to things because they're uncomfortable or because something's going on like they don't just 
for the most part, they don't seem to make things up or make up reasons to be naughty. Um, so how can horse owners differentiate between behaviors and pain that they need to get their vet involved in with? Well, actually, I think some many of the folks that I, I work with are, are long distance and uh, so I can either send them equipment and they, they videotape and send it to me or in many cases they don't have the means or or the, um, they're so far away that they just want to videotape it and look at it themselves and they can often learn quite a bit from looking at a stall video and most people find it extremely interesting and entertaining for at least for a few hours of uh, going through videotape to see what they're their horses are doing and I think there's nothing magical about what I do except that I've had a lot of experience doing it and have a good eye for what is normal and what is not but um, um, they could they could do that the other uh, thing I I talk to people about is think about could you if a horse is doing something could how could you teach the horse to do that particular behavior very often the pain behaviors are kind of out of the blue, they just um, happen um, independent of what you're doing with the horse at the time. And you think, how could the horse have learned to do this uh, as to avoid work or, or whatever? And um, with that question, sometimes owners come up with very, or very often they come up with a, a good hypothesis for, for what's going on with the horse. And a lot of the examples that, that we saw when we were on the tour led to ulcers, that the horse had ulcers mm-hmm. for whatever reason or maybe right. as part of what was going on with them. Yeah. Um, and you, you had mentioned the, the sprain position that the horses do that often is related to ulcers. Um, and my own horse does that um, before breakfast every morning. And, you know, me, I've had horses since I was three years old, and I think I'm pretty savvy. I work for thehorse.com. I talk to a lot of people. Um, but I just I thought he was, like, doing horse yoga in the morning. Like, you know, he's just stretching. It was all night, and he needed to stretch. Um, and sure enough, I got home, and I thought about it after you said that, and I started giving him a, min- a late-night meal so that he had food overnight and had some forage, and he stopped doing that in the morning, which is really um, kind of interesting. So do you think that we as horse owners do miss subtle signs of discomfort a lot, or is that just me? (laughs) No, I think it's pretty common. It's very understandable. Um, You know, if you don't look closely at a lot of horses, you might have, like you, not, not have an idea how unusual that behavior is in a horse that's free of ulcers <laughs> and uh, uh, I know that not only owners but veterinarians also uh, are not you know the veterinary training has so many aspects to it that it doesn't include as much behavior as we wish it did and so they may not appreciate either those behaviors and they may see them in several horses in their practice and think, oh, well, some horses just do those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, with ulcers, are there any other behaviors that we see in horses that are really... Yeah, well, gastric ulcers? ulcers can cause anything from just sort of, just kind of intermittent crabbiness or, um, you know, just off days to 
um, very serious self-mutilation behavior, really turning around and biting, you know, even to grabbing pieces of flesh and and wounding themselves. Um, and uh, it, it's usually associated with meal time. It can be as they're anticipating the meal or um, when they start to ingest the forage or the grain, it it may irritate, and a lot depends on, you know, where the ulcers are. One one really interesting uh, behavior in racehorses is often when they come out of the starting gate, um, and the uh, juices slosh around is is what we think happens, but they will pull up and just give up. It's they're in so much discomfort. Um, so, and and the other interesting thing about gastric ulcers is that some horses can have fairly severe lesions and tolerate them fairly well. Other horses can have minor ulceration and have very dramatic behavior changes. When you treat them and they um, the ulcers go away, the behavior goes away. And <clears throat> since in the last, you know, 10 or 20 years when um, gastroscopy has become so common where you can actually visualize the lesions, you can treat them very effectively with the modern medication so that they improve within days or at least a couple weeks and you can see such a tight association between the behavior changes and the ulcers. Um, we've, we've come to realize that many different types of behavior changes um, are, are uh, connected with gastric ulcers. I gotta say though, if you're if you're looking at horse husbands and we're acting that way, that just means we're hungry. I'm just uh, it's, it's a whole different thing, actually. Hey guys, we're... Some horse husbands have gastric ulcers too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Hey, uh, we're running out of time here, guys. Thank you so much for joining us again. This has been interesting. Uh, Michelle, where can people? Do you have articles on this? Um, we have we've started posting some videos that that we took while we were at the ISIS conference. Uh, you can see Dr. McDowell talk about her uh, semi-feral pony herd. If you log on to thehorse.com and go to the video section, uh, which will be on the homepage, you can see those videos. Good Very stuff. good. And uh, Dr. McDonald, what's the what's the website address there for New Bolton? Um, www.vet. Dot UPenn. Dot edu, but just Google New Bolton, uh, New Bolton Center, and I'm sure it'll come. <laughs> it'll right up. come up. Very good. Well, thank yeah. you both. We appreciate you being here, and thank. And that's a wrap. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and look for the experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to the horses in the morning gang putting in their two cents on all things horse. You can tune in every weekday at HorsesInTheMorning.com for fascinating interviews, news stories from around the world, clever contests, and general horsey hijinks. And don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. This podcast has been brought to you through the generous support of StatelineTAC.com. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.